Holistic Voice presents the Food Heals podcast with your hosts, Alison Melody and Susie Hardy. Join the Food Heals nation and learn the secrets to go from feeling unwell to healing yourself. Warning, side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, an increase in sexual activity, feelings of joy, cravings for kale and quinoa, and a spike in Tinder matches. In real cases, women have experienced a strong desire to stop asking their boyfriends if they look fat and stress. If you experience any of these symptoms, post a selfie to Instagram immediately. All right. Welcome, Food Heals Nation. Thanks for joining me. I'm Allison Melody. I hope the new year is treating you well. I can honestly say that I'm having the most unexpected and crazy new year. Um, It started off good, but you can probably hear from my voice it did not end up that great. And here's what happened. If you read the title, you know that I got black mold poisoning. And so I'm going to tell you what happened and how I'm dealing with it and hopefully help other people, anyone else who might be dealing with this situation or not know that they're dealing with this situation because that's the scariest part is that a lot of times we don't know we have it until it's too late. So I'll start with my new year. I had an amazing time after getting back from my trips to Atlanta and North Carolina, visiting friends and family who I adore. I got back just in time uh, to ring in the new year with my new Nashville friends. Um, So a group of us went to Soho House and we did the grapes TikTok thing, if you know what that is. So you set an intention and you eat 12 grapes before the clock strikes midnight for good luck and so I said, why not? I'm going to do this. So I was hoping that I would have good luck in the new year, but my luck turned (laughs) the next day. My luck severely turned. So let me tell you about that. So I've lived in Nashville for about 13 months now. I moved into an Airbnb last November and I stayed there for about four months. And then I got the cutest house with a huge yard in Edge Hill, right on Music Row, right next to the Gulch, which is like my favorite area with shopping and dining. And it's just a great, fun, cool, hip area. I couldn't have been happier. Lily has a huge yard. The yard is even bigger than the house. I've got this great master bedroom with a window that looks out on the yard and I've got a guest room. So I've got lots of people that have come to visit me this year, which has been awesome. And of course, I've got my podcast studio room. So I've been really, really happy with this place overall. So I moved to the house in the spring of last year. So I had never run the heater before. So cut to December of 2022 and it gets cold. And of course, I start running the heater. And if you're like, Ali, you didn't run the heater sooner than December. Remember that I was traveling most of November. So I wasn't home. Um, That's still a podcast that I need to do, by the way, a podcast about my New York, London, Egypt trip um, and tell you everything that happened there. But That's for another day. Um, But yeah, I was out of town, so I wasn't running the heat. So I get home from my trip and I started running the heat in December. And I started waking up with like a minor sore throat. Now remember, this is your Food Heals girly who has not been sick in four years. Yes, I have counted. I haven't had a cough, no cold, no COVID, nothing. I got my vitamins down to a science. I'm kind of proud of it. Anyways, the sore throat wasn't too bad and it never turned into a full cold. And I remember Googling one night and it it was like, um, I, I Googled like, does heat cause a sore throat? And of course, anything that you type into Google can be confirmed, right? So yeah, I found that it said the first time you run a heater, you might get a sore throat. So I was like, all right, you know, I guess that's it. And I wasn't too concerned because it it just wasn't that bad, right? It was there, but it wasn't bad enough for me to like 
freak out. Um, I just took some extra vitamins and that was that. Well, then I go home for Christmas and I drove to Atlanta to see Ashley and her kids. Then I drove to North Carolina to spend time with Amy and Sarah and their kids, Cecilia and Jeannie, some of my friends' moms that I grew up with. Then I went back to Atlanta on my way home to see Ashley again. And my childhood best friend, Kobe, was there as well. And so on this trip, I realized hey, I've been staying at people's houses and they've been running the heat the whole time and I didn't have a sore throat at all. So I get back and it was December 30th and the next morning, there it is. The sore throat is back. Still minor, but there. So I'm very, very clear like this is my house, right? So I grabbed a screwdriver and I opened up my bedroom vent and it is covered in dust and dirt. And what I think is like, this must be black mold. I'm pretty sure this is what mold looks like. So I compared some photos to Google and I texted a few friends that had dealt with black mold before. And the consensus was, yep, that is black mold. So I proceeded to open up a few more vents around the house and I just kept finding more and more in both bathrooms, in the guest room, in the podcast studio, in the living room. The only place I didn't find the black mold, ironically, was the kitchen. But I had recently gone up and changed the filter and cleaned that vent or that just the cover. And so I don't know. That's the only one I ever cleaned because that's like the big one in the house. And I never looked at the other ones. Like, I don't know what to say. I just never did. Um, so that was Saturday. And of course, no one can come look at it until Monday. It's literally New Year's Eve. And um, so I went out and then the next day it was Sunday, had the little sore throat, not horrible, but not great. So finally the HVAC guy comes on Monday and he comes over and he's like, yep, that's black mold. He's like, I can't even touch it. My wife would kill me. So, you know, that's not his job. He comes over and he's like, identifies it. And then he's like, all right, let me, I'll I'll have to send you to the right people, the people that do take care of this, who do do this job. What I didn't realize until well after he left was that he took all the covers off the vents. So now I am completely exposed to the dirt the dander and the black mold with no like filter because all of the covers are now off of the vents. Okay. So I have a landlord. I call the landlord. I don't think this is okay that he took the covers off. And the landlord's like, no, there's Lily. No, it's safer because the vent covers were apparently covered in dirt and mold. So their reasoning was, we don't want you exposed to that. So they just took them, like all covered in dirt and dust. But still, the entire system that is probably covered in mold, dirt, and dust is exposed. And literally, I can see around the corners of the vent, um, black mold, dirt, dander, dust, right? And I'm like, I don't think this is okay. But now it's like nighttime, right? So I'm like, all right, I guess I'm going to deal with this tomorrow. Because I I just was like, I don't know what to do. I've never dealt with this. That night, I got sicker than I've ever been. I woke up nauseous, sneezing, coughing, stuffed up, just feeling 
terrible. Worse than I ever remember feeling with just a cold. Like the nausea kind of made me feel like I was going to throw up, but I couldn't throw up. So it was just this awful feeling where you're just like, I just wish I could throw up. It's just nausea. But it's like I didn't have anything to throw up because it wasn't like a food poisoning. It was just nauseous, I believe, from the spores, from the mold that I'm now like breathing in like with no filter whatsoever. So I called the landlord and I was like, I have to go to a hotel and thank God he agreed to pay for it. Cause like the laws are not clear. You can Google this and they're like, here's what you can try to do. But you know, there's no clear law except you could sue your landlord after you get sick. And I'm like, I'm not getting any more sick than this. I'm getting the F out of here. So I'm still recovering. It took me, I don't remember now, like a week and a half to be able to breathe again and speak again. I lost my voice and I know mold spores stay in your body. So I'm still recovering and I may be for a while. And I'm glad like the good news is we caught it early. I know many people are exposed to mold for years and they develop chronic degenerative diseases. So thank God I found it early. And also good news that my landlord has so far agreed to all my demands. They are replacing my entire HVAC system and they're doing what is essential if you have mold in your home, which is called mold remediation, which I'm going to talk about in a few minutes. And so I wanted to share this with you because I'm still learning, but I cannot believe how fast it took me down. I mean, it was bad. And the fact that I had symptoms for a month because I think the heat was activating the mold and then was affecting me all month. And then once the covers were taken off, it was just like a poisoning, like a mold poisoning. I've read about other people having an overnight reaction like this. It's crazy. So anyways, like I said, I'm still learning, but in case you find yourself in a similar boat or you have an issue and you don't know what it is, you've got to check for mold. I wanted to tell you everything I've learned about mold so far so you can check your home, check your check your loved one's homes and get the help that you need and then get on the path to healing because I've spoken to so many people now who have dealt with mold issues and apparently the detox takes a long time to detox it from your body. So I'm going to have to do a mold test on myself, like not only on your home, you have to do a mold test on yourself, a mold toxicity test. I'll tell you which one to buy. Um, And then you have to do, do the detox protocol to get it out of your body so you're not susceptible, right? Like my immune system was already super boosted. I haven't been sick in four years, but this took me down. So now is my immune system extra compromised? I don't know yet, right? I need to find this out. Um, so I'm going to tell you everything I've learned and what I'm doing. And then I'm going to replay an interview I did in January of 2019 with Jen Maleka. She is a functional diagnostic nutritional practitioner and became an accidental mold expert after having her own toxic mold experience. And I re-listened to this episode for my own knowledge and I was like, this is so good. I need to share this again because I want to be armed with all the knowledge I can and I want to help arm you as well, Food Heals Nation. So let's get healthy together. So here's what I've learned so far about mold. It's very common and it's not talked about as much as it should be. When I got to my hotel room, I posted a little Instagram story of Lily on her hotel bed and I was just saying, hey, we've got a new home for the week while this toxic mold is being dealt with and I cannot tell you how many people reach out to me with their own 
mold horror stories like glad you got out here's the detox protocol I did oh my god it took me months to recover all this stuff people who have had it in their homes in their offices people who have had landlords that wouldn't take care of it that refused to take care of it what they had to do like there are so many horror stories out there so don't be a victim find out if this is in your home immediately in your office before you move into a place obviously when you buy a place they do an inspection but when you rent a place they don't do an inspection and I'm living my digital nomad life. I'm not ready to set down roots and buy a place. I'm in a place in my life where I want to be very easy to move around. And so for people like me, it's like, no, I want to be able to rent. I want to be able to go to Airbnbs. I want to be able to jump in my car and move. And so I don't do a mold test on every property that I'm going to rent, but maybe now I will. Um, and also a side note, by the way, when I moved out of my LA home, there was green mold and I didn't really know much about it, but now my ex Dan and I think that my, that might very well be the cause as to why both our dogs, Charlotte, may she rest in peace and Jackson have had to have massive tumors removed. Both my dogs sequentially had tumors bigger than my fist, like huge tumors removed. Um, so remember like this can affect your pets sometimes even worse than humans because they're so small, their little bodies can't take it. So I had to get Lily the F out of there, right? So if you don't check, you know, do mold checks for yourself or your family, please do them for your furry roommates, right? And if you can't do a mold test everywhere you live or everywhere you go, just go look for it. Black mold grows in areas that stay consistently wet over long periods of time. So it's not like, oh, the toilet overflow is going to be immediately, but it can grow in the walls. It can grow in utility closets where the water heater is, basements, bathrooms. Maybe there's a leak under the sink or there has been a leak. Um, obviously, look in your vents. Open up those vents. Just take a little screwdriver, open them up and look inside, you know, and see if there's black mold. You can Google what it looks like. It's very easy to spot, honestly. Um, so, you know, look around wherever you can and make sure that you don't have it. And if you find it, don't touch it. Don't clean it because when you disturb the mold, that's what causes the spores to release its toxin. So don't attempt to wipe it away. Don't spray it. Don't put a chemical on it. Don't even put on a mask and try to deal with it. That's just going to anger the mold, right? So you can cover the area with plastic temporarily until you get someone um, out there to handle it. But basically, if you have an HVAC running into that room, shut the vents so they're not pulling anything into the other rooms. But mine was in every room except the kitchen. And the kitchen one, I might have already cleaned it. I just don't know if I was cleaning black mold and didn't even realize it when I cleaned it. Um, so yeah, there's just, you got to be careful and you've got to look and then you got to get a professional. Um, so for us, what's happening is the entire HVAC system is being replaced and um, that is step one and it's very important. But then I had to go and convince my landlord to do mold remediation. So that is step two and it's imperative because if all you do is have it cleaned and have your HVAC system replaced or whatever, that doesn't mean it's not going to grow back. And that doesn't account for all the mold spores that are now in your furniture, in your couch, in your carpet, in your rug, in your bed. One of my vents is directly over my guest bed. So I have to have the bed reme remediated. Okay. So let me tell you what that is. So this is from a website in Nashville that does mold 
remediation. So let me tell you what it is. Our professionals use various containment procedures to prevent the spread of mold. They use advanced containment procedures such as negative air chambers to isolate the contaminated contaminated area with physical barriers and negative air pressure to keep the mold spores from spreading during the cleanup process. All fans and heating and cooling systems will be turned off to prevent the spread of mold. So what does that tell you right there? That makes sense why the heat was, uh, why it was affecting me so much because I had it blowing directly on me. Horrible, right? Then they do air filtration. Our specialized filtration equipment allows our professionals to capture microscopic mold spores out of the air. We utilize powerful air scrubbers and HEPA vacuums to prevent the spread of these mold spores while the mold remediation is in process. Then they remove the mold and mold infested materials. The mold remediation process depends on the amount of mold growth and the types of surfaces on which the mold appears. We'll use antifungal and antimicrobial microbial treatments to eliminate mold colonies and to help prevent new colonies from forming. It may be necessary to remove and dispose of mold-infested porous materials like drywall and carpeting to remediate heavy mold growth. Then the next part of this is that they clean contents and belongings. So they say, we clean your furniture, your decorative items, your curtains, your clothing, and all restorable items affected by mold. We use a variety of cleaning techniques to clean and disinfect your belongings. We're also trained to remove odors and deodorization using fogging equipment. The final step is restoration, depending on the level of mold damage, drywall, subfloors, and other building materials may have to be removed. Restoration may include minor repairs such as replacing drywall, painting, installing new carpet, or it may entail major repairs such as the reconstruction of various areas in rooms in a home or business. And the restoration step gets your home back to normal. And then of course they recommend getting those standalone air purifiers for your home. So I personally plan on having one in every room if I choose to stay in this house, because as much as I want to stay here, I will not compromise my health, right? And so I need to feel a hundred thousand percent confident that this issue is gone. So I will be religiously checking the vents, you know, after the mold remediation is done. I don't even know if I'm going to keep my furniture. Like, do I need to get new beds? I don't know yet. I'm still learning. If you have an opinion on this or you have knowledge on this, please feel free to reach out. Um, But the first step is this week while I'm staying in a hotel, they are doing the entire redoing of the entire HVAC system. And I know that's an expensive process, but of course, I believe it's worth every penny for my safety. And thank God I am not paying for it. But as a homeowner, you would have to pay for it or your landlord would have to pay for it if you are renting. And then um, the second part is the mold remediation. And the HVAC system is going to take two days to replace, they said. And then the remediation, I don't know how long that takes. And we're not at that step yet. So I'm certainly happy to update you when we get there. 
And then, of course, the next step, the most important step, honestly, once you get out of your home or you get your home healed, is you're going to need to get tested to see if there's still mold in your body. And then you need to detox it out because you don't want this leading to a chronic health condition. I can't tell you, I think I said it already, but how many people reach out to me and told me their stories of chronic problems from mold toxicity. Um, And this can take months or this can take years, depending on how long the mold exposure has been. So I'm going to Dr. Cabral, you know him from multiple episodes of Food Heals, and I'm going to get this mold toxicity test. I just haven't ordered it yet because I don't know if I'm going to be living at a hotel or if I'm going to be living at my house. I'm trying to figure out where to order this test to and take it. And uh, so it's at equi.life slash products slash mold dash toxicity dash test. Don't worry, just go to equi.life and you'll find it if you just go to the tests um, and you can get this mold toxicity test. And by the way, um, I am asking for my landlord to pay to all pay for all my mold-related expenses. So that means my hotel and the food that I have to buy while I am um, at a hotel because I don't I can't use my groceries in my fridge. I can't cook because I don't have a you know I don't have a kitchen in my hotel. So I'm asking for those re- expenses to be reimbursed, and I will also be asking for this mold toxicity test to be reimbursed as well because it is not cheap to do all of this right? And so you can ask. And if they say no, that's when you may need to get a lawyer or some type of litigation involved if you want to take it that far, depending on what your damages are, depending on how much this is costing you, depending on how this is costing you monetarily, how this is costing you um, with your lifestyle and how this is costing your health. And again, like I said, I'm in the middle of this, so I don't have the answers yet. I will ask Ashley, um, you know, my girl, Ashley Filling Jim, Attorney at Law at Kick Ash Law and Sandstar Law if you ever need an attorney for your business or yourself. And maybe we'll do an episode about what our rights are as tenants uh, in this type of situation. So anyways, I will be going to Equi.life and getting the um, mold test and the mold toxicity test with Dr. Cabral. It does include a 30-minute health coaching call. And um, let me read you more about it. So this is from the website directly. Do you ever, do you often feel congested? or suffer with sinus blockages? Do you experience sensitivity to light or have swings in mood or appetite? If you find yourself telling others that you have allergies all year long, it's possible that harmful mycotoxins, which are present in everyday environment, could be to blame. Mycotoxins are metabolites produced by fungi like mold that can infest your home, vehicle, or workspace. Oh, I forgot about your car. Check your car too. And as one of the most common environmental pollutants can be draining to your health without you realizing it. The mold toxicity test will effectively uncover if mold toxicity is the root cause of your health issues. And that is a urine test. So you just have to pee and send it back. Um, So the website goes on. Let's see. Uncover mold toxicity. Do you sometimes have unexplainable abdominal pain, bloating, brain fog, itchiness, headaches? Do you feel like you suffer with sinus congestion even if you aren't sick? These are common signs. You may be suffering from exposure to hidden mold toxicity from your environment. A majority of mycotoxin exposure can come through food ingestion or airborne 
airborne exposure that lead to liver, kidney, and nervous system dysfunction, in addition to various infections in the skin, lungs, and more. Left undetected, symptoms like these can worsen over time and impact your home, your life, and your health. The simple at-home mold toxicity test will scan your body for mold toxicity by looking at 11 different mycotoxins from 40 species of mold in one urine sample so that you can confirm if mold toxicity is the root cause of why you're feeling unwell and get on the path to better health. So yes to that, right? Um, And then once you determine it, then you can get insight as to um, how to detox it. So Equi.life, Dr. Stephen Cabral does have a protocol, but it also depends on your individual results, right? So it says, once you receive your at-home lab test, follow the instructions. Once samples are sent to the certified labs, it will take approximately three weeks for your results to be returned. So I'll be detoxing before that, just so you know. I will be detoxing the heck out of myself. So that's my experience thus far. I will keep you posted. Like I said, I'm still in the thick of it. I'm still sick. I don't know if you can hear it in my voice, but like, I'm still suffering. It's not good. Um, I'm hoping that this is gone soon, and I'm hoping that, you know, I'm doing my my regular vitamins, but I think I need to get on a detox protocol pretty, pretty quickly here um, just to start detoxing whatever spores are still hanging on and keeping me sick in there. And then um, I've been back to the house a few times because I do have to get things. Like I have to get things out of my house, and immediately I'm like, reacting. That's how bad it is now with those vents off. So don't let anyone do that. Don't let anyone take those covers off of your vents and then stay in the home. It's outrageous that that happened. I cannot believe that they left it like that. We're like, no, it's better that way. I'm like, no, it is not. So next up, I'm going to play this interview with Jen, who has her own harrowing story. And she has lots of amazing tips, even more tips than the ones that I just gave you. So definitely, if you're suffering from mold toxicity, if you suspect you're suffering, or if you have a loved one who may be suffering, this is the episode for them. This is the episode for you. I wish you all the health in the world, Food Heals Nation in 2023. Stay healthy, stay away from mold, detox your body. I've got your back. Let's do this together. All right, let's Roll the interview with Jen Maleka. The Food Heals Podcast starts now. She's a personal trainer, cancer survivor, health coach, functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner, and she does so much more Food Heals Nation. Please welcome our guest, Jen Maleka. Thank you. It's exciting to be here and to talk to your community and tribe, and I can't wait to share some insights with all of you today. Yes. Well, I love your website and everything you do is completely up our alley of food heals. So tell everyone what it really means to be a holistic health boss. Oh, I love that question to start off with. I came up with the brand Holistic Health Boss. Um, It's kind of in a literal sense. So um, holistic is actually with a W because my tagline is kind of empowering the whole body naturally. And that means through like diet and rest, and exercise and stress reductions and natural supplementation. And then the health boss part came really because of my own health journey and just kind of regaining control of my health and being the boss of 
of my health instead of, you know, relying on experts or doctors. I really kind of go intrinsically, go in within my body to see what it intuitively needs. I teach my clients to do the same. And so that's where I become my own health boss. And my goal is to empower others to have that same connection with their health and with their body so that they can have the ideal health and weight that they ultimately want and do that all in a holistic kind of natural approach, basically. Yes, I love this. I have chills. This is in perfect alignment with what we do, (laughs) as you know, (laughs) or you wouldn't be here. So I think um, one of the things that I'm really impressed with what you do that's really important that I have found so much help with is the functional diagnostic nutrition testing. And I really want to get into that. But first, can you go back and kind of take us through your story of how you got to be where you are today? Because you had your own healing journey. Yeah. And there has been a lot of bumps along the way, but also a lot of incredible insights and growth at the same time. So I've always been um, somebody who I guess was kind of in tune with health in some kind of way. I mean, as a kid, like my family, we had a garden that we grew some of our own vegetables out of. Like I remember looking back and um, we always had really balanced meals at dinner times. I mean, of course I ate some of the fast food and things like that that were going on in the eighties and the nineties. Um, I was always super active. Like I loved playing outdoors and everything. And I um, played sports growing up. And so going into college, I thought I wanted to be a sports psychologist. And so I uh, went to San Diego State and pursued a degree in kinesiology and athletic training. And I start there because that's really when a lot of my health stuff started to come up um, or when I really started to notice it. So when I went off to college, I would say I was in pretty good health. I mean, looking back, knowing what I know now, um, when I did start my menstrual cycle, I had painful and irregular periods that I just didn't think much of at the time. Like birth control was a band-aid solution that was provided to me. So then it kind of went to the back of my mind, but I really like vividly remember going to college and all of a sudden I developed allergies and I was constantly fatigued, like just always exhausted, had trouble like staying awake in classes. And I was trying to work a job and do an internship. And um, that's when it all really started to set in. And shortly after college, when I graduated and decided not to do the sports psychology route, and I went into personal training and I got into running a big like gym chain, basically. In that place, like I was working really long, like 12-hour days. It was a sales environment atmosphere. And shortly after graduating college, I was diagnosed with skin cancer. Wow. So that was kind of like my first light bulb moment that something wasn't right. Because here I was, a personal trainer who had majored in kinesiology, which is basically the study of the body. And I had, my emphasis was in fitness, nutrition, and health. Like I was eating apparently healthy, you know, like lean proteins and vegetables all the time and counting calories and working out consistently. And there was no family history of skin cancer or any other kind of related cancer in my family. So it really kind of shed some light on the fact that whatever was going on with my body was a product of my environment and my lifestyle. And it wasn't something that was hereditary, right? Right. And you are so young. So young. I think I was... um, I forget how long it's been. I'm like, I met my husband when I was 24. So it was like a little bit after we started dating. Maybe so when I was about 25, I think I just had, I I lose track of time. It's so crazy. I'm pretty sure I just had my 10 year anniversary of being skin cancer free. So that's kind of exciting. Oh, congratulations. (laughs) Um, So that's where I just started to question what I was doing. And I got into the functional 
um, lab testing stuff. And I, I found that my liver was really clogged. Um, I had high oxidative stress. And so, you know, as a result of a clogged liver, I wasn't able to flush toxins out of my body probably as well as I should have been. And oxidative stress basically equates to cellular damage. So we know that cancer is from like mutated cells or damaged cells. And so that was probably driving some of the skin cancer stuff. Cause I wasn't like a chronic tanner or anything like that. Like I, I live in San Diego. So yes, I'm out in the sun quite a bit, but um, it wasn't like I was somebody who was going to the tanning salon like all the time to like get skin cancer or something like that. You know, it is interesting because there are, of course, there are cases of people who are sun worshipers who do end up with skin cancer, but there's also many cases of skin cancer where people are not sun worshipers at all. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think busting the myth that the sun is this evil devil in the sky trying to cause you skin cancer could not be further from the truth. Exactly. I When spring comes, I'm going to be writing a blog about how I'm not afraid of skin cancer anymore because I really think that it's more a product of our environment and our food and our lifestyle than anything else. The sun is not, like you said, the, the devil in this story. Um, it's actually probably more so the toxic like sunscreens that you're putting on your body in some cases, right? Yes, absolutely. Aside from the oxidative stress and liver stuff, I also had some adrenal dysfunction, which was going on that really just answered the question or explained why I was constantly fatigued all the time at hormone imbalances. I mean, just a, a myriad of things that were happening. So through my training with functional diagnostic nutrition, I tackled all of those things and I resolved them in some sense. Like I got back to feeling like myself again. And I think we all have this sense of what it feels like to feel like ourselves for the most part. Like maybe we haven't felt that way for a really long time. It's something that we felt as a kid before we've had health issues or trauma in our life or some type of event that's happened. And so I felt like I finally got back to that place and everything was smooth sailing, but that's not the end of my health story. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was, yeah. I was like, I entered my thirties feeling great. Like I got married at 30. I was like, feeling the best in my body that I had ever felt before. And shortly after that, I started just gaining weight again. And I was like, what is going on? I'm doing all the right things, everything that I've been taught. Like I started racking my brain, running all the functional lab testing. My gut turned up dirty again. I had candida overgrowth, parasites going on. And I was like, why is this happening? There's got to be something going on. And this went on for a while um, to the point where I was having some really crazy hormonal things happening. I was having like breakthrough periods, even though I was on the birth control pill. I was having like inflamed breasts and I went, I researched every like breast specialist in like San Diego County. I went and saw multiple physicians and every single one of them looked at me and was like, I don't, I've never seen this before. I can't tell you what's happening. How frustrating. Yeah. So I was like, I just have to calm down and take a step back and look at myself like I would as a client. And I kind of self-diagnosed what I thought was going on, like estrogen dominance. Through divine intervention one day, I opened up our guest room closet, which was right next to where my desk was. I was working from home at the time and there was black mold on the ceiling. Oh my God. Yeah. We have no idea how long the black mold had been there for, but I had been working from home at that point um, full time for about two years. And a little clue looking back in the story was like my dog started having digestive issues um, that we're still working on fixing this to this day. And it's all from this toxic black mold. 
So then I went to work, like restoring my body from that exposure. We got rid of the mold. We cleaned out the house. Like I went through a detox process. I got off of birth control as a result of being exposed to the toxic mold. That's what drove estrogen up in my body, probably along with some other things. And I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's hypothyroiditis which is a you know autoimmune thyroid condition for those listeners that maybe don't know um which you know on the happy side of that because i know what i know and i do what i do for a living i was able to get that hashimotos in remission within 6 months and get off of medication um just through healing my body so that's amazing good for it you. is amazing and i remember my friend asked me when i was diagnosed with hashimotos she's like are you mad you know you're like the healthiest person that you know and i was like no like obviously there's something a lesson to be learned here and now i am more aware about mold and i can help my clients find that or I I know how to do these things to help them get out of these struggles when I think there's a time and place for doctors and conventional medicine. And it just didn't serve me in that kind of way. And I talked to so many people that struggle through that. Like we call it the cycle of trial and error and the training that I go through where you're just kind of going from one practitioner to the next or one doctor to the next, like in this vicious cycle until you find maybe somebody like me that looks at it from like a holistic standpoint of all the variables that could be impacting your health. So I'm really fortunate and grateful for the experiences that I've had. And I'm sure that there are more to come (laughs) in my (laughs) lifetime, but I know like that's the empowerment part, right? That I, whatever the experience is, whatever I'm, whatever's thrown at me, um, I'm confident that I can tune into my body. I can figure out what it is. I can find solutions. Like I like to say that I'm in the business of making the impossible possible sometimes love it because I will research and go after it until we find a solution. And that does make it possible. I'm not one that's going to give up um, on myself or on others either. So that's my story. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we are certainly kindred spirits because I am the same way. As soon as anything's wrong, I'm like research, figure out what's wrong, try different things until, you know, it's healed or I've discovered something new or learned something new about myself. And it's always a journey and it's kind of a, a challenging, but really fun journey if you can frame it the right way. And I know that's hard to say. And if you're in chronic pain or anything like that, I'm not trying to say it's fun. But once you become empowered that and realize that your health is in your hands, then you have so much more power instead of, you know, being in that victim place of everything's happening to me and I don't know what to do, which is a terrible place to be. And so that's what I want to help people get out of. And I know what you want to help people get out of. And one thing we haven't really covered a lot on this podcast is the subject of mold. So I would love for you to tell our listeners, what do you do once you find mold in your house? How do you test for mold? And then what's the protocol for healing? Yeah. Oh, mold is a tricky thing, actually. It's not like this clear path that we can take people down because everybody is a little bit different. And my story kind of will show some of the uniqueness in that too, as I share that with you. But First of all, I just want to start off by saying is that mold is like this ancient illness. It's been around for so long, like it's referenced in the Bible and other like ancient scriptures. Like it's been something that's been affecting people's health for a really long time. And conventional medicine doesn't really want to acknowledge or address that it's a thing. And part of the struggle with that is because only about 25% of the population has this HDLAR gene that 
makes them more susceptible or sick when they encounter mold. So you could be living in a household with four people and only one person gets sick and the other people don't. So then you don't think that you're less likely to think that it's mold as a result of that. Right. Right. Because you're like, well, why isn't everyone else sick? Or why is only the dog sick? Or why is only one person sick? It makes total sense. Exactly. So what mold does is it produces biotoxins. Um, We call them mycotoxins or biotoxins. And, you know, they are a form of toxins. They can drive up estrogen levels. They can mimic estrogen, just like they're like xenoestrogen toxins, as we can classify them in some cases, just like BPA in plastic is like a xenoestrogen or it drives up estrogen levels as well. And so they just start to overburden and overload the body um, with toxicity and they really elevate inflammation. So that's where you'll, you'll usually see like other things happen first, like other symptoms appear, like a lot of people who have mold exposure that don't realize it, all of a sudden they get sick more frequently or they have allergies that pop up or then they start having these hormonal issues happening. So one of the key things that we kind of say in the mold world is when everything else isn't working, think mold. So if you've tried all the things to support your health and nothing's working, like start thinking mold. It's not the first thing that we go to because it's not maybe as common as most people would think. Like just because you live in a humid environment, like I live in San Diego by the beach, just because there's a lot of humidity outside doesn't mean that mold is going to be a problem. It really becomes a problem when you've had some type of water damage or leak in a home that then has festered and maybe the humidity um, promotes an environment for that mold to continue growing is where we see the problem. So one of the things that I think about epidemically is like all these hurricanes that we've had recently in the U.S., yeah, and the flooding and these people's homes and everything that these people are probably going to be the next epidemic of like mold illness if they're not taking care of it appropriately. So kind of back to your question then, um, screening modalities. So how do we screen for mold? Like what are some things that your listeners at home can do? And the first thing that's actually really cheap and easy is called a visual contrast screening. So when you're exposed to mold, some people's vision is affected and it's specifically like the contrast of your vision. Like, can you see contrast in colors, for example? So this is like a $15 test that you can actually do online. If you just Google in like VCS screening mold toxicity, it'll pop right up. It's on Dr. Richie Shoemaker's website and he's kind of like the godfather of Um, mold illness or the mold pioneer because he's really paved the way for this identification and acceptance that mold illness is really a thing in the medical world. And I typed it in and it pops right up. Pops right up. So it's 15 bucks. Um, What this does is it assesses your your visual contrast, like how is your sight to maybe be a clue that you've been exposed to mold. And then it also asks you a series of questions about symptoms that you may have related to mold. So we call this like the cluster. So for example, like one clue about mold is if you are all of a sudden like electrically charged all the time, like everything you touch, you shock it. Mm -hmm. That can be a sign of mold toxicity because mold elevates, like when you're exposed to mold, it increases the sodium in the body and it makes you more like electrified basically. And so you might start shocking everything. (laughs) Or if you noticing, if you notice that you're urinating really frequently, that's your body trying to eliminate the toxins. So I look back and I was urinating really frequently when I was working in this office in our guest room that had mold, but I just thought it was because I was drinking a lot of water. But now I have perspective that I still drink about the same amount of water and I don't go to the bathroom as frequently. 
So it'll, you know, there's different questions like this. This test though, this online screening isn't all inclusive. So I actually passed this test, even though I had been exposed to mold, but um, not everybody passes the test. I have plenty of clients that have failed it. It's a, like I said, it's a cheap and easy, like initial screening, right? But it's not an absolute value of yes or no for you. You eventually you have to test your home. Mm -hmm, Exactly. So if you suspect it, even though you may have passed the test, like I did, there's a couple of at home mold tests that I highly recommend. Don't get something from like your local Home Depot store or something like that. Like the, those screenings are not as validated. The technology is not as great on them. You want to go to, you can go to the website called Citra Safe. So Citra, like citrus and then safe. And they have some home um, mold tests that you can do. So it's these little Petri dishes that you put out in a, in a room for an hour that collects all the mold spores. And then you close up the Petri dish and send it to the lab and the mold starts to grow in the Petri dish. It's like a science project. Wow. Basically. This is awesome. <laughs> and the lab will analyze it and they'll turn around and report to you pretty quickly and they'll, you know, tell you exactly like they have some reference ranges for the mold spore counts being like, are they normal? Are they really high? Like the different types of molds that are more toxic? Like what are the things that you should really be concerned about that might, you know, in terms of mold? So that's one way. We call that a microscopy test. So that means that they take it back to the lab and they look at it under a microscope and then they identify what the organisms are, basically. I just want to bring up one point that you made that I want to actually make sure Food Heals Nation hears. Do not get the test from the Home Depot or the local hardware store. Here's why. That is what the landlord is going to do. Don't have your landlord pay for this test. Pay for it yourself, okay? Because the thing is, is that those tests have been proven not to be as effective. I don't know the details behind it, but there's an example of an apartment building in LA that was infested with mold. And I don't think the entire building was, but certain apartments were. The landlord did the test. It said it was fine. The the tenants stayed in the home and all of them were experiencing all of these issues. Okay. This is not widely publicized, by the way. I know this because of a film that I was working on. And so, or for a video series I was working on. And so what happened was all of these people went and got their own independent testing and they all came back like a high 10. I don't know what the rating scale is, but a 10 out of 10 that there was mold in the homes. And so now they've all moved out at this point, thank goodness. But that's a very hard thing to do. Just move your whole life. So you got to get, you got to test and you got to make sure test and test again, because why not? And don't trust the landlord's test because they probably got the cheap one. No offense to landlords. They may not know better. I'm not trying to shame them or blame them. It may just be, oh, they went to Home Depot and got the test and it wasn't as effective or it didn't pick up on that strain or the right spores. I don't know the science behind it. I'm just saying do your due diligence, just like you would go to more than one doctor and get a second opinion and a third. Same with this, but please continue. <laughs> exactly. I'm so glad that you emphasize that because that is really important to know. And the, you know, just to give the listeners a perspective, like to test one home, one room in your home, it's about a hundred dollars, but for each additional room, it's only about $20. So you can test all the rooms in your house. If it's not that big for under 200 bucks and get more valid results than what you would get from Home Depot. So the quality of the testing is important. It's kind of like the difference of you don't want to get a multivitamin from Walmart or Costco because the quality of those things and the added fillers and everything that they put in there, like you want to get a professional grade 
multivitamin basically. (laughs) So (laughs) let me tell you about the other type of testing that you can do because there is two different types of home testing. Um, There's not one that's necessarily better than the other. They just help us to look at the data in different ways. So the other type of test that you can do is called an ERMI test and that's E-R-M-I. Okay. And then we can calculate what's called like a hurts me score from that. So hurts me is H E R T S M I hurts me. And you can get that from mycometrics.com. So myco is M Y C O and then metrics.com. You might need a little bit of assistance in reading that testing from a professional, somebody who knows it like me or somebody else when you get the results back. But basically what that is, is it's really simple. You take like a Swiffer cloth and you you dust some of the surfaces in your home because mold spores are like dust. So once you have mold, this is the tricky thing about mold is when you have mold, it's not isolated to the location. It becomes airborne. Yeah. The mold spores become airborne. So you take this like a Swiffer cloth and you'll dust different surfaces of the home. You put it in a plastic baggie, send it into the lab and then voila, in a couple of days or a week, they send you back a report. This is what we call like a PCR type of test. So this is looking for genetic data. It's not dependent upon the organisms being alive. So sometimes like maybe some of the downsides of the microscopy test that I said before is like the temperature, the shipping, maybe the organisms die, they don't grow in the Petri dish. And so you're not getting the best sample. I mean, I've had results go either way where like the ERMI showed nothing and then a you know microscopy test, um, the Petri dish has showed a bunch of stuff. So again, there, you know, either test and they're about the same cost is going to be a good place to start. And if one of them comes up negative, if you start with one and it comes up negative, but you really strongly sense and feel that you have mold in the home, I would then go ahead and do the other test that you didn't do. And I will sometimes have my clients do a dual screening like that. So that's where I'll have them start. And then basically, Allie, you know, once we kind of get some positive insights as to like a mold exposure. And the other thing that you can have to confirm this is like I said, is if you've had water damage or a leak in the home that you know of. So remember mold doesn't necessarily happen just because you live in a humid place. It's typically directly uh, related to some type of leak. Like we had a roof leak it was happening in our guest house, our guest room. We had our pool pump was leaking. So it created mold out in our garage. And then we just had it actually again, but because now I know what to look for and I'm not messing around with mold anymore. We had like a roof leak again. And I was like, we got to take care of that right away. So those you want to be aware of leaks and know that that's what's going to increase the risk for a possible like mold situation that's happening, right? So if your tests are coming back possibly negative, but you know that you've had this leak in the home, you know, you might want to move on to professional testing. So I'll usually have clients do these pre-screening types of tests. There's one other one that I'll mention, which is a nasal swab. Um, This you would have to order through a naturopathic doctor or a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner like myself. Um, We have to, like, it's like an actual kind of functional lab test that we do. You do a little swab of your nasal cavity and that's looking for biotoxins in the nasal passages, which would be indicative of a mold exposure. Wow. Okay. And it's also looking for what we call marcons, which is multiple antibiotic resistant organisms okay. that are coag like negative. So that means that those marcons then themselves are creating biotoxins internally. It's almost like you have your own mold festering like in your nasal cavities. And that can 
continually toxify the body and cause inflammation. So um, again, I passed the nasal swab test. So I passed the visual screening test. I passed the nasal swab test, but I did these two home mold tests and that's where we had positives that there was mold in the home. Then the next step after that is getting the professionals out. So professional mold mold testing is expensive. It's on the more expensive side. It's going to run you $800, maybe more or less. And you want to be pretty sure if you're going to spend that money, like that you were going to find something, right? Yeah. So then you get the professional mold people out. They should, when you're looking at a professional um, mold tester, you know, you want to ask them questions like, are they aware? You can ask them if they know about mold illness, if they're knowledgeable about it, it's probably an uh, insight that they're more up to speed on the technology and information that's out there. You want to look for them to do a, a couple of different types of sampling, or at least offer different types of sampling. So like they should sample the air, they should offer like a sampling of the actual wall. So they'll cut a piece of the wall out and take that back to the lab and sample it. And they should be sampling against the outside air because there is a natural humidity level or natural mold spore count that's going to happen outside in the environment. So they should be doing a comparative analysis of against what you have going on in the home versus what's outside. And it's easier if you know where the leak or the water damage has happened. If you don't know where it is, but you just suspect it, then you might want to look like, look for a professional mold tester who's also going to use um, like a moisture seeking device. I think it's like an infrared type of device where they can seek where moisture and mold might be going in between the walls where you maybe you don't know that there's a leak that's happening. This is so high tech and you know, we have fire. We, I mean, it's, but it's so important and like, okay, we have fire alarms, we have smoke detectors, we have um, things to determine whether there's carbon monoxide, you know, detection in, in your air. Why don't we have this in every home? You know, this right? needs to be, and I know you said the government is not want to acknowledge it and that just infuriates me, but I'm, that's a separate topic, but this should be something that is in our homes at all times because it can be just as toxic as carbon monoxide poisoning or something like that, or, uh, I don't know, smoke inhalation. If your fire alarm didn't go off and you were asleep, something like that. Right. I hope and pray that someday we will have those devices in our home. <laughs> yeah. I think that if, if somebody could develop that device and it became mandatory, it would one, save a lot of people from all these health issues they're, they're having. And two, it would create a lot of jobs for people to go in and like remediate homes and get rid of mold and the construction side of things. Kind of going back to the next steps, like once you've identified that you have mold, you have to get rid of it. So the very first like top priority thing to do is either to remove yourself from the environment once you've recognized that it's there or to remove it out of the home, right? And sometimes it requires both things. If you're somebody who is hypersensitive to it, I was luckily like I was mildly sensitive to it. So once I once we remediated or cut the mold out of the home, got rid of it in the right kinds of ways, I immediately felt relief and felt better. Wow, that's amazing. You know, there's other people like one of I'll just uh, mention this resource for your readers. There is a book that I recommend that my clients read if we suspect mold and it's called, is it mold? Pretty simple. Um, (laughs) You can get it on Amazon. (laughs) It's by Karen Wright and Karen is with a K. 
and right is with a W and she is a naturopathic doctor who suffered from mold illness. And she wrote this, wrote this incredibly easy to read thin book that kind of gives you the highlights, big overview about what's going on with mold. And I just bring this up because she shares her mold story where she was so sensitive to it. She flew into the Portland airport and um, Portland airport had mold. And when she stepped off the plane, she immediately got nauseous and sick. So that's wow. how sensitive people can be to it. That's not me necessarily, okay. right? And so I say that Got because yeah. if you are that sensitive, then you may need to remove yourself out of your home until the mold can really be cleaned up. And that's a, a process in itself. So the first thing you do is you have the remediators come out and they should seal off the area with plastic so that to prevent any more of the mold spores from becoming airborne into the home. And then they should bring in some air scrubbers. So they're scrubbing the air, cleaning it. Basically, it's like these high intensity HEPA air filters that they use that they're scrubbing the air and they're, they go in and they should cut away a two foot radius around where the mold was kind of isolated. So they're going to cut out all the wood and the materials and get rid of that. Mm, yeah. And then you can go in and you can rebuild the walls or whatever you need, whatever was taken out. But there's more to do in the process because like I said earlier, the mold spores are, they become airborne and they will embed themselves in any kind of porous materials. Then kind of the next things that you need to do, like you want to consider getting your air filters, your air ducts cleaned to get rid of any mold spores that have gotten stuck in like your HVAC system. There is a solution that you can buy called BioBalance. So if you go to biobalancenow.com. Yep, I got it. Yep. So Jeff here, I know Jeff personally, and he, I wish we could multiply like Jeff a million times and just have him be the professional mold tester for everybody. Cause he really knows his stuff, but he has created this solution called biobalance and it's a natural base, like citrus essential oil kind of base solution that you can fog your whole home with. So you get like a, a fog wow. you can buy a fogger machine from him, or you can buy one from Par- party city and you get this solution and you fog the rooms and that fog, that solution will kill off like the mold spores that are on your furniture and on your plants and your clothing and your closet and all these crevices that you can't even imagine like cleaning mold spores from. The only thing that it doesn't touch is the carpet because the fog kind of rises. So that's where they have some carpet cleaning solutions on the CitraSafe website that I mentioned earlier that does the testing. They also have a lot of great cleaning products and solutions. Like they have a shampoo for dogs because your animals can carry the mold spores and things like that. And they have a laundry detergent that you can use. So I recommend like loading up on some of those products and just really thoroughly cleaning the home as much as possible. And hopefully that will make the home a safe environment for you to live in. Again, if you're a hypersensitive, it may not be enough. And the reality might be that moving is the solution for you if you can't tolerate the home once you've done all this cleaning. Yeah. And that's the unfortunate thing, but it's for your health. Mm -hmm. So it's like, that's number one. And I know it's not easy, but when it comes to these things, it's like, would you rather suffer for the rest of your life or would you rather move one time? Exactly. And I want to go back to the biobalance solution because I think, you know, when some people hear like spray your whole home, you might get a little scared. Well, what's in that 
uh, what's in that formula? Well, I, I'm on the website right now. Grape seed extract, lemon seed extract, lime seed extract, tangerine seed extract. So it's non-toxic, mm-hmm. nothing that can hurt your dog, your plants, people, nothing. And so I just wanted to make that clear because I know when they come in and bomb for bugs, that's actually very toxic. Yeah. And so what I'm thinking, uh, when I'm picturing, you know, doing this process, I'm picturing the same process. So if anyone else was picturing it too, I just wanted to assure you that this is a totally clean solution. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I use this solution personally myself and I am, I'm super sensitive to chemicals and all those types of things as yeah. well. So I use this solution all the time. No problem. Now I just preventatively kind of fog my home every six months. Smart. Yeah, <laughs> Maybe it's some of the mold PTSD paranoia. I'm not sure, but it makes me feel better. Um, and I loan it out to my clients if they need it as well. So it's, it's great. It's good stuff. And it's just, you know, potentially killing anything or killing anything that's potentially like going to be harmful to you. So then after you kind of go through this cleaning process, then you might want to wait 30 days or 60 days and you can do like a retest of the home. And I would just do that, um, using the home mold test and see what it looks like. And it should, you know, you should see improvement. I saw improvement over time and I will occasionally spot test my home again, kind of that PTSD mold (laughs) paranoia thing. I'm just constantly checking it as well and monitoring my health. Now there are some deeper layers of functional lab testing that you can do when you do react to mold. It can trigger something called chronic inflammatory response syndrome, okay, which basically just creates a lot of chaos within the hormonal balance and some of the metabolic markers that we have. So these are really, it's a specialized blood test that we can run looking at markers like C4A, C3A, something called MSH, TGF-beta-1. And these are all going to give us insights as to whether there's a chronic inflammatory response that's going on in the body or not. So this is helpful. It's been helpful for me in my own health journey to see like when I initially did that test, it was very clear that I had like a chronic inflammatory response that was happening. And then over time, as I've cleaned my home and done things to support my body, I've been able to retest and see those markers improve over time. So I like to test and not guess. If you're implementing a healing protocol and you feel like it's not working, sometimes that's like a mental psychology aspect and we can then do a test and see, okay, here's where baseline was and and now we can see a retest that it actually has improved over time. All right, Food Heals Nation, I'm here hanging out with Tina Anderson, the founder of Just Thrive, which is probiotics, but also so much more. So Tina, can you tell us what is a spore-based probiotic and why is it different from other probiotics out there on the market? Yeah, that's a great question, Allison. Um, A spore-based probiotic is a completely different category of probiotics. So the majority of probiotics on the market are comprised of lactobacillus and bifidobacterium. Ours are not. And we did that very intentionally because we know that those strains are sensitive organisms. They have difficulty getting to the intestines alive. Spore-based probiotics have this endospore shell around itself. And that spore shell allows it to get to the intestines alive. It's really important to remember that a probiotic, in order to be defined as a probiotic, needs to arrive alive in the intestines. It doesn't need to be alive in the refrigerator. It needs to be alive in the intestines. So a spore-based probiotic actually has this shell around itself. And when it has the shell around itself, it's dormant and it allows you to swallow it. It gets, you know, it's able to 
handle the temperature, your body temperature, which is very warm, 98.6. It's able to get through the stomach acid, which is very acidic, very harsh, meant to be the heart gastric barrier, and get to the intestines. And where once they get to the intestines, it takes their shell, its shell off, and it goes into its live vegetative cell state when it gets to the intestines. So these are natural probiotics. These are the same type of strains that our ancestors, when they ate off the land, they roots and tubers off the land, they consume these probiotic strains. Um, so it's just, unfortunately, we don't find them in our environment today. So it's a very different approach than the majority of probiotics. One of the biggest you know, issues is survivability. The ma- vast majority of probiotics just simply do not survive that journey to the intestines. And most of them are basically dead bacteria therapy, where spore-based probiotics get there 100% alive, where they're staying there for about 21 to 28 days and making a true change in the microbial environment. In fact, one of the studies that we did uh, right away was showing that just after about two weeks, uh, we saw a 30% favorable shift in the microbiome in the strains in the gut. So um, that's a pretty profound shift in just 30 days. So, and, and that's the resu- reason we see such profound you know, results with people who start on the product. So it's really exciting. And the, it's definitely the, the new category of probiotics out there, even though it's where you know, our ancestors were consuming these strains on a daily basis. Wow. We're always going back to basics, right? But we've made it overcomplicated. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for breaking that down for us, Tina. I really appreciate it. So Food Heals Nation, stop throwing away money on probiotics that are going to die before they hit your gut and heal yourself. Boost your immunity with Just Thrive Probiotics. Go to justthrivehealth.com. Use the coupon code FOODHEALS15. You'll get 15% off your order. Tina, thanks again so much for clarifying that. Oh, you bet. Thank you so much, Allison. All right, Food Heals Nation. I'm here hanging out with May Steigler. You know her. She's the CEO of Organifi. So May, what is it that sets Organifi products apart, let's say, from other products out there on the market? Something I love to highlight is the clinically backed key ingredient in each of our adaptogen blends. So we take a lot of time to focus on doing the research and science backing to ensure that customers and our community and ourselves and our families, everyone taking our products will feel the felt benefit of that uh, product that hopefully they're incorporating every day. So I'll focus on green juice. It was the first product we made and and one of my, my absolute favorites, having 600 milligrams of ashwagandha. There's amazing clinical research on this to support balancing cortisol levels. And that's just a master hormone that Uh, has cascading benefit across sleep, across digestion, across uh, mood, and just hormone regulation in general. Also specifically weight loss and detoxing and the body's ability to manage a healthy weight. So some really great research behind it. And it's a key product that I'd suggest starting with. It's kind of it's definitely not your everyday green juice. And mm-hmm. the core ingredients in the products and, and kind of our product suite is definitely set apart by the research-backed ingredients for the benefits. And I'd l- definitely recommend folks start with the green juice to try it out and make that part of their daily routine. Absolutely. Well, I love that you have two flavors as well. You have the mint, the classic, and then you've also got the crisp green apple, which maybe that one's seasonal. No, it, it's actually just new. It, we're, we're way late to the party. It took us like seven years to make an alternate flavor of our green juice, mainly because of oh. it was, was such a such a success. But I absolutely love the crisp apple. It's much more of a like a lighter, sweeter version where the mint's like kind of crisp and refreshing 
the crisp apple is very light and sweet. So really nice flavors. I adore the new flavor actually a lot. Got it. Well, I like both. Lily, my puppy, likes both. I mix them in with her dog food every meal. And she goes, bananas. It's not something (laughs) – there are supplements I've tried to give my dog, and the dogs are like, absolutely not. Get out of my face with this. And with Organifi, she licks it all up. She craves it. So I think that's a really (laughs) powerful testament to the flavors, not being like some of of the other greens on the market, I'll just say, that don't taste so great. Um, So thank you, May, for letting us know about that. Food Heals Nation, go check out the greens and all the amazing other Organifi products over at Organifi shop.com slash food heals and you'll save 20% off your order. May, so great to have you here. See you next time. Thank you so much. As you were removing things from the home, what did you do nutritionally? Mm-hmm. Great question. So one of the things that biotoxins can do or this mold exposure in general, and I, I say biotoxins because this also relates to like Lyme's disease mm-hmm. has some of the same physiological components like Lyme's disease and mold illness can be kind of interlaced or misdiagnosed for each other because they will show up and present in the body in the same kind of way. Mm-hmm. So biotoxins have a tendency to make us hyperreactive to anti-gliadin, which if you guys don't know what that is, that's basically protein of wheat being gluten-free for a period of time or possibly forever, depending on, again, just your physiological body is definitely a key component in the healing process Mm -hmm. because that reactivity to that anti-gliadin will just add fuel to the inflammatory fire. So we, and it also depresses the immune system, which are two things like we want to stop the inflammation and we want to boost the immune system. So that's really important. Boosting your natural detoxification capabilities. So you can do that through eating, you know, some of the most powerful naturally detoxifying foods. Like I really, you know, started to increase my consumption of beets, for example, and drinking um, dandelion tea every day. Like dandelion greens are some of the most powerful, like naturally detoxifying foods or greens that you can eat out there. They don't always taste great. So I like to do them in like a detox tea because they tend to be a little bit bitter. Yeah. I can put them in a smoothie before anything else. Exactly. Grapefruit's another one. Putting lemon in your water, especially warm water in the morning helps to get the liver going. Um, Doing things like castor oil packs over your liver, uh, that helps to stimulate the detoxification process in the liver in there. So that was something else that I was doing. And then also just eating an anti-inflammatory diet. Yeah. So avoiding any foods that some of the top like common inflammatory foods, you know, things like grains, dairy, depending on who you are, soy, sugar, things of that nature. And I like to do with my clients and I've done this on myself is like running a food sensitivities test because then you can be really specific about what foods are contributing to that inflammation, you can cut them out for a period of time to reduce inflammation, help the gut heal, and then you can add them back in at a later date. 
as well. Yes. And a good thing to think about when doing the anti-inflammation diet is the fact that there are people that may be doing this and thinking, I'm doing everything right, but why isn't something changing or why are not, why am I not feeling better? Because sugar is in everything. So you're mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm eating a healthy salad, but your salad dressing is full of sugar or something like that. And so you really have to start paying attention to where those hidden added sugars are because they're in tomato sauce. Like they're in all of the things you're buying from the store that you think are healthy. And I've done this. I, I'm not saying, I'm saying that I know because I have tried to do anti-inflammation diet and realize how much added sugar was in the products that I was buying that I thought was healthy, you Mm -hmm. know? And so making sure to look at that and being like, all right, I have to make my own tomato sauce from scratch, or I have to make my own salad dressing from scratch or whatever it may be, just so that you can follow that anti-inflammatory diet without actually creating more inflammation as you're doing it. Exactly. And I'll just point out like, that's a great point. And to add to that is also like your personal care products. Mm. That's another place to look like if you find that you are reacting to certain foods so let's say you react to oats or almonds you'd want to look at your lotions or your shampoos or your conditioners and see if those ingredients are in there gluten is probably the most common assailant in this type of situation where I see a lot of people will cut out gluten from their diet or wheat, I'll say from their diet, and um, they feel like they're not getting any results. And then we go through their personal care products and come to find out like there's, you know, wheat, hydrolyzed wheat protein in their shampoo and their conditioner and their lotion that they're using. So you also... everywhere. I know. And so you'll also get, you know, whatever you put on your skin gets absorbed into your body. And because if you've had that mold exposure, or if you're dealing with inflammation or autoimmune conditions or something like that, where, you know, the inflammatory process is a big player in all of this, then if you're absorbing that stuff through your skin, it's going to add that fuel to that inflammatory fire as well. So that's another big one to look for. Yeah. So tell us about um, the allergy and um, sensitivity testing, because I've done that multiple times throughout my life and it's changed. So I've had allergies that no longer exist anymore. So can we talk Mm -hmm. about that? Yeah. So there's a definite difference between like a food allergy and a food sensitivity or an intolerance. So we think allergy, allergy can, is like a histamine reaction or response. Think about if you are allergic to bee stings, there's like an anaphylactic response that can happen to that where your face will blow up and you'll get super swollen and you have to do an EpiPen. Otherwise Mm -hmm. you might die. Right. So that is like a true allergic type of response. And we can have natural allergic responses that happen, like whether it's pet dander or bee stings, for example. Mm -hmm. Then we have intolerances that can build up. So like I mentioned in my personal health story, I all of a sudden started to have seasonal allergies. And that was an intolerance that had developed over time as a result of having a dysfunctional gut. So our gut is where our immune system lives and our immune system modulates our intolerance or reactivity, sensitivity, reactions. Mm -hmm. So when the immune system is overwhelmed, everything's like super inflamed, then you're going to experience more seasonal type of allergies that have the potential to actually go away if you heal the gut itself and, and support the immune system. So same thing can happen then with foods, just like we can have with seasonal allergies. And Dr. Tom O'Brien, I love, he always has these like great analogies and he's the the gluten doctor. If you guys don't know or don't follow him, he's a great resource. 
he talks about, you know, how food sensitivities or intolerances can happen. So when we have a dysfunctional gut and we have basically what's called leaky gut, so that means that food particles or other particles can cross the gut barrier and get directly into the bloodstream, that's what sets us up for food sensitivity. So you eat, let's say a tomato, right? Mm -hmm. And you have leaky gut and there's a chunk of that tomato of, of the part of the food particle of that tomato now crosses into, crosses the gut barrier and it gets into the bloodstream where it's not supposed to be. Then your immune system, your little army is like, whoa, like what is that thing doing in here? And all of a sudden it'll start producing antibodies. It'll start attacking that tomato, that particle of that tomato. And now you have a sensitivity or an intolerance to tomatoes because it's recognized that that tomato structure as a foreign invader and it's now producing antibodies. So that's one type of food sensitivity testing that we can do is we can do an antibody testing to see like, you know, what foods is your body producing antibodies to? And then that when we're producing antibodies, that's basically activating the immune system more than it needs to be. And that overwhelms the immune system. And so then you are more susceptible to getting sick or an autoimmune condition. Like an autoimmune condition is an expression of an overwhelmed immune system. And so the body starts attacking itself because it can't differentiate between healthy tissue and the bad guys anymore. I'm literally picturing a cartoon where all of the, um, they're, they're like, okay, attack, attack. And like, I could see actually this being a great tool for learning. I don't know if this cartoon exists, but it should be out there so we can totally understand this process. Yeah. It's funny because that's literally, that's what I picture also when I tell that story or when I've read about this, I feel like maybe I have seen a cartoon someplace that maybe has represented that possibly because Uh, Dr. Amy Myers is another great resource in the thyroid connection and autoimmune solutions. She talks about this concept and she talks about the immune system being your army that attacks invaders. So I think it's kind of like, um, maybe it's just a visual that I have, but I do feel like I've seen this somewhere (laughs) before. (laughs) I remember in, um, Fat, Sick, and Nearly Dead, the film, he does a lot of animations that are kind of cutesy like this. But I think it's just it's just the way I picture it, and it would be a great tool for learning if anyone out there wants to create it. Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> so antibody testing is one way to look at food sensitivities or intolerances. And the interesting thing about them, like I was kind of you know relating this to what I said earlier, is that food sensitivities or intolerances are usually a a factor of having leaky gut. So once you kind of cut out the foods for a period of time to reduce inflammation, you work on healing your gut, then you should be able to reintroduce those foods. And now you have a more secure gut lining. So those food particles don't cross it. And for the most part, you should be able to consume those foods and be okay for the most part. Again, that's not like absolute. Everybody is different, right? So aside from the antibody type of food sensitivity testing, we also have, I also commonly use in my practice, something that looks at like mediator release. So this is called an MRT, food sensitivity test. And this is basically looking at other types of inflammatory reactions, such as cytokines, histamines, uh, leukotrienes, and also it's looking at what's going on with the white blood cells, like the lymphocytes, the neutrophils, the monocytes, the eosinophils, to help us understand like how the body's reacting to food. So just like we had with the mold test, both of these tests can be really insightful. There's not really one that's better than the other. And that's the a little bit of the tricky thing in lab testing in general is that we're 
probably years away from having the perfect test that's going to tell us all of the things that we're looking for. So we really, you know, when I utilize functional lab testing in my practice with my clients, it's using it for insights. So one of the things that I've learned through my training and that I'll say is that I don't treat the test results, I treat the client. So I can get test results that come back looking superb, like absolutely clean, nothing looks wrong, but the person is really suffering. I'm not going to take those test results at face value. I'm going to pursue other methods of investigation to see, to try to get to some of the sources of, or get more clues about what's going on with them so that we can restore their health. And then the flip side of that is sometimes I can get test results that come back that look absolutely terrible on paper, but the person tells me that they feel fine. So I'm not going to go after chasing the test results if the person is feeling fine. Like maybe that person has more adaptability or vitality to deal with whatever is going on with the body. And so we don't need to implement a lot of changes to their lifestyle if they're feeling okay, right? Yes. And I love that you said that because so many of us know the experience of going to a doctor and saying, I don't feel well, these are my symptoms. And the doctor's throwing up their hands after tests and saying, we don't know what's wrong with you. Maybe Mm -hmm. it's in your head, which is the worst thing that anyone can ever say because it just disempowers you and makes you feel more like a victim and more like hopeless that there's nothing you can do. And when people like you are out there and you're like, I'm going to get to the bottom of it no matter what, because there's always another test. There's always another way to figure out what are the variables here? What are we not, what have we not looked at? When is this occurring? What happens if you keep a food journal that can tell you so much about your Mm -hmm. health? If you're experiencing a symptom, you can literally track it. If you're willing to put in the time just to jot down what you eat, what you did, emotions you were going through? Did you just get in a fight with your husband, you know, before your symptoms come on? And then you can start to track where are the correlations of patterns, then you have a place to investigate, right? Mm -hmm. So I just love that you don't give up and you don't throw up your hands and say, well, the lab tests say this. So there you go. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. And there's a ton of different labs out there. And I'm really kind of in it to win it with a client, like I will take it as far or as short as they want to. And it's really, that goes back down, that goes back to the health boss side of it. You know, it's not about what I want for the client. It's about what they want. It's about how they want to feel in their body. Just like it was like, you know, I pursue my health to the degree of how I want to feel. That's the empowerment piece that we don't have to settle for anything less than what we deserve when it comes to our our health and our well-being. Um, and we get to define, you know, what that is as well, right? We don't, nobody else has to tell I love, there's all these guidelines out there for us about what we should be eating, what we should be doing. And that's why I feel like people really get stuck is they just get caught up in trying to abide by all the rules and the guidelines instead of just tuning into their body and seeing what their body is telling them. I mean, I look back at my mold situation and I just knew, I was like, something isn't right. And I'm a pretty spiritual person. So I was like, asking the universe. I'm like, show me a sign, like help me figure this out. And it literally was divine intervention that I, for whatever reason, that one day opened the closet door and looked up and there was the black mold. Like why had I not ever opened that closet door and looked up before? And our, you know, but my body was telling me like, this isn't when I, I remember going to one of the 
top women's health breast specialist here in San Diego. And and she was like, well, do you think that you just put on 10 pounds of muscle? And I looked at her and I was like, do you even understand how hard it is for a female to put on 10 pounds of muscle? (laughs) Do I look like somebody who has 10 pounds of muscle? I mean, I'm toned, but I'm not like a bodybuilder looking kind of, you know, female. And I had done in my past as a personal trainer, I had trained for fitness shows and bikini competitions, things like that. And it was a struggle to put on like two pounds of muscle, you know, and I just (laughs) was thinking, gosh, this is so sad that this specialist doctor doesn't even have a concept of how hard or easy it is for a female to put on muscle. And because she can't give me any other answers, that's what she's defaulting to. Right. I was not going to accept that like I, I could have been any person that walked away from that situation and said, well, that doctor knows best. Like, I guess I'm just stuck like this, but I wasn't willing to settle for that. Like I wanted, I knew like my body just didn't feel right. Like there was something more that was happening. And what does the role of mindset play in our recovery? Oh my gosh. Huge. <laughs> you were going to say that. <laughs> I feel like we need like a whole other hour podcast to talk about that. <laughs> the study of epigenetics is a little bit more recent, I would say in the medical world, but it is just proving to us how important our mindset can be. You know, there's the studies that they've done where if you write the word hate on a bottle of water, like the mm-hmm. water molecule structures change because of the negative energy that comes through with that. I was just listening today to a woman called, um, her name is Nikki Graddix, and she really talks about trauma as it relates to our health, like how it alters our nervous system and how it alters specifically the function of the vagus nerve, Mm -hmm. which is basically our communication center between the brain and the gut. So if you've experienced any kind of trauma in your life, then you can have it, you can see a significant decrease in the function of the vagus nerve with, which then will lead to leaky gut basically. And it's a disconnect between the communication of that, of the brain and the gut. And um, she was throwing out some interesting statistics on, you know, what is, what qualifies as trauma. And it could be as simple as going through a divorce, you know, as a child. Yeah. And so I actually infuse a lot of mindset work in with my clients because we know that, that the majority of our belief systems are established by the age of about five. And so if you think about some of the experiences that you might've had as a child, you start to create these belief systems that are kind of subconsciously running in the background. So lacking self-worth or not feeling like you have the right to take action or that you can't be separate and still belong, like all these stories that we kind of tell ourselves. And so I will work with clients to go into those mindset pieces and kind of rewire the brain so that they have more positive thought processes. And that's why meditation works yeah. and, or different types of modalities like meditation is because it helps us to get in this more positive space. When we're in a negative space, we're triggering oftentimes like the fight or flight, the sympathetic nervous system, the stress response. And this, I'm going to say this, and this is like mind blowing when I say this to people, but our body can only heal in a relaxed state. Mm, Yes. Yes. If we're sitting at our desk or we're sitting watching TV and we're watching something that's stressful, we're getting worked up about what's going on in the political atmosphere right now, or we're reading comments on Facebook that are negative, that all triggers 
that fight or flight stress response. And even that low grade response will prevent our body from being in a place where it can heal. In our day and age, we just encounter so much of that, right? So driving every day, it's the most stressful thing we do. Exactly. And so we can't like stress is always going to happen. You know, I literally just kind of wrote a blog about this and talking about that we can't avoid crappy coworkers like at any job or you know however you work there's always going to be crappy coworkers or difficult clients there's always going to be traffic like we can't live in a bubble and avoid these stressful things so it's what do we do outside of that to offset the stress like having a daily meditation or gratitude practice in place that gets us into that parasympathetic that rest and digest mode it's you know making sure that we're getting really good quality sleep at nighttime that we're sleeping through the night because that's like the biggest chunk of time that we have, you know, to rest and heal. Right. But I, I talked to so many people who are not sleeping through the night or they're not sleeping during the right hours to really allow that to happen. So, but all of that's on a bigger level, it's related to mindset because your mindset's got to be that I am a priority and I'm going to take action to adjust my schedule for meditation to happen or adjust my schedule so that I can go to bed at a reasonable hour and create a bedtime routine that's going to support better quality sleep, right? Yeah. So one of the, I love that you asked that question, Allie, because one of the common things that I say all the time is that healthy is a way of being, it's not a way of doing. So you can have somebody who's like checking all the boxes. They're like, I'm doing all the healthy things, but internally, they could be still a hot mess. And if they're not actually embracing it as a lifestyle, as a way of being like, I'm worth it, I'm a priority, I'm looking at all of this in a positive light, then all of those efforts kind of go out the window. I love that you brought that up, that healing happens when we are calm, when we are happy, not when we are in a stress response, which we spend so much time in these days. Mm -hmm. Yep. And it's a physiological response that's we can't deny. We know that it's happening and there's, gosh, there's uh, thought leaders out there that predicted some of this was coming for us. I'm, I'm really big into Kundalini yoga. And oh, I love Kundalini. Yes. Yay. <laughs> um, Yogi Bunjan was the, he's kind of like the founder of Kundalini yoga. And he basically yeah. predicted that as society evolved and technology evolved, that there was going to be this epidemic of autoimmune conditions and different health issues because we basically never turn off. Yeah. Like we're always connected to our devices. And so that's a big area that I will address with my clients and that I've even addressed in my own health is setting some boundaries around that. It's I talk about if you don't legitimately work in an emergency room, then nobody's going to die if you don't respond to that email or that text message, or if you have to move that meeting. Uh, We create a false sense of urgency all the time that perpetuates that fight or flight response, that low grade stress response that's like running in the background. And we have to start to change that. So that's kind of why we have to embrace healthy as a way of being, not just doing, because it's got to be those little changes in how you approach life. They really make the biggest impacts overall in achieving your goals and then maintaining the results that you achieve. If you just rebound back to being that same maniac person who gets up first thing in the morning and is responding to emails and working long hours and being at everyone's baking call, like your health issues are just going to come right back to you. 
I could not agree more. Don't sleep with your cell phone in the bedroom. Use a separate alarm because you can put your phone on do not disturb, but you can still see the messages. So it's like you have to completely remove yourself from technology when sleeping. I don't have a computer in my room. I don't have a cell phone in my room. You know, these are just little things that you can do so you can fully deep sleep and deep dream, you know, allow Mm -hmm. yourself that time. It's such a gift, you know, when the cell phone is even near you, you're, you can't even even fully drift away because there's a part of you that is attached to that phone and what it means and when someone's going to call you, text you, email you, Facebook you, Instagram you, you know, all of the ways that people get in touch these days. And so just disconnect as much as you can. And then when you are connected, you'll be more productive, you'll be more functional, and you'll probably be a nicer human as well. And you'll feel better. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Love it. So Jen, tell everyone where they can find you online and how they can work with you. Because I'm sure a lot of people want to know more about working with you directly to kind of combat some of their health issues they're having right now. Great. Well, I offer complimentary consultations to anybody who is seeking extra support and getting their hands on the right lab tests and resources so that they can find the missing pieces to their health and get back to feeling like themselves too. So you can schedule a complimentary consultation right on my website. So if you go to Holistic Health Boss, com. You'll see a little tab there that says contact me, click on that and click on the discovery call. Super simple and easy. And just remember that holistic is spelt with a W like whole foods. So holistichealthboss.com. And then um, also I'm regularly putting out, you know, all kinds of information and tips and resources on my Facebook page at holistic health boss and on Instagram as well. And I love to do some live videos occasionally and talk to my followers and answer and give you guys uh, resources for whatever it is that you need. So those are the best places to get in touch with me. Yes, I love that. And you've got tips on your website. You've got blogs. You've got Tackle the Toxins Challenge. So you can find out um, what toxins you may be exposed to and how to tackle them. Am I right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Which is great. It's really important. And so um, I really hope, Food Heals Nation, that you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget, it is Holistic Health Boss with a W, Jen. Thank you so much for being here with us today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, developing a more positive outlook on life. In rare cases, people have experienced a strong desire to put down the Ben and Jerry's, get off the couch, and take a walk outside. If you experience any of these symptoms, tell your Facebook friends immediately.